podcast my name is philip matthew i'm here with my co-host josh i'm doing great and i'm just glad to see a lot of racing that we have right now yeah it was quite a few days we're sitting here midway through the truck race kyle bush is sneaking up on the lead and chase elliott won a stage and all the Chase Elliott lovers and the trinket sellers, they're going to love the fact they're going to make that truck. That's going to be the highest selling truck there's been ever. But speaking of Chase and Kyle Busch, uh, we'll talk about the Toyota 500K, which was won by Denny Hamlin, his 39th career win, uh, won it in part because of rain. Uh, he was on old tires and um, benefited, to say the least, from uh, the fact that the um the the rain came because he was out of tires and uh it's a second win at darlington but to be honest there was no reason why he should have won that race kyle bush ended up wrecking uh chase elliott when chase was making a run to possibly go and pass both him and denny hamlin at that point uh, what were your thoughts josh on the race itself on uh, wednesday last Wednesday? well the race itself uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, long green flag runs that we've kind of been accustomed to at Darlington, but there's a lot of uh, short sprints, it seemed like, uh, that maybe around 20 to 30 laps for the most part, um, but it was a there wasn't really like a, t- a ton of passing up front, mostly throughout the middle portion of the field, and it thinned out once you got up to about fifth place. And we saw that with some of the guys that were trying to come back up from the middle of the field through the invert. Once they got up to fifth, it was a lot harder to make that pass. Yeah. Uh, for for that position, but o- overall, um, it was it was a decent Darlington race, I guess. But it could have been a lot better, um, considering the history and considering. What we've seen in the past from even just from the gen 6 car package um with this current con- uh, configuration yeah i mean you you talk about what they saw on sunday and you're able to pass you're able to make things happen granted you're talking about daylight slicker racetrack versus being at night more grip which at the end of the day no matter what steve o'donnell and the idiots of the daytona beach mafia They think that more downforce and less horsepower is better racing and it will bring in a new OEM. Frankly, more downforce and less horsepower is garbage and you're not getting a new OEM because nobody's signing up to go against Ford and Chevy who has art has year 60, 60 plus years of, of information and, and knowledge. And then Toyota and all the money that Toyota throws at this deal which has been going on since 2004 which is part of the reason why the sport is where it is uh the 550 rules package definitely didn't work on the wednesday night show uh the the neither neither race was like amazing the 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 sunday race was more there was racing outside of the lead but the problem with fox is they can't not show the leader they have some some defect where they can't show racing there was more leaders uh, on on the Wednesday race. There wasn't really anybody truly dominant outside of who we we're going to discuss in a moment. But, you know, there was a bunch of leaders. There was green flag. There were short spurts, as Josh said. But in the end, you couldn't really go anywhere. And that's, I, I think, a transfer to what where you can go and transition here. We'll go into the results. Before that, Denny Hamlin wins his 39th career cup race. Uh, Kyle Busch second. Kevin Harvick third after winning on the Sunday his 50th win. Ke- uh, Brad Keselowski finishes fourth. Try to use strategy. He was in a position where... Where he could have possibly won, uh, stayed out late, but he wasn't able to get out of there and uh, he didn't have enough time. Eric Jones finished fifth, Logano sixth, Al Marola seventh, Jimmy Johnson eighth from tailback, De Benedetto ninth, Martin Truex tenth, who had a pretty good day. Christopher Bell gets his career best finish of 
seven. Um, I think Toyota, who had struggled over uh, in their return on the Sunday race, showed up on on Wednesday mainly with Hamlin and and Martin Truex. But the other Toyotas were all kind of up there all day. Um, what are your thoughts on where they're at relative to where, uh, Josh, where they were on uh, the Sunday and what it means towards the rest of the season? Well, I think uh, what, where they were on Sunday, their performance on on that race is probably um, more of a blip on the radar um, than what we've uh, been used to from the Gibbs Racing Team. Uh, and this year they do seem a little off, but I think it's really more of um, the, the other teams other competition the Chevy teams in particular are getting a little bit better and they're able to um, challenge the Toyota teams a little bit more than what they uh, have been able to in the past but then again given this uh, format that we have now with the playoffs being in the fall and September and uh, the winning your in uh, deal that we have with with that we could see some of the uh, Gibbs teams maybe experimenting throughout the summer and as long as they don't do anything stupid and like they don't like completely like uh, drop like a rock in the standings they just kind of hang around uh, should should see them just perform decently at least or solidly throughout the rest of the summer and then maybe as they go into the fall they maybe they, they're experimenting with something and they've got uh, something up their sleeve that, that they uh, uh, can work with and maybe maybe they'll surprises coming uh the chase yeah that's that's a great point i i completely agree with that i mean you're talking about a a a situation with a playoff format or whatever you want to call it where denny hamlin in february after everything that happened and now fox is making uh videos of it won his third Daytona 500 and he was locked in. He didn't have, he doesn't have to worry about anything the rest of the regular season. He's already in the playoff. Uh, you talk about Kyle Busch, who's a champion and he's trying to figure out a way to win his third championship and win one somewhat legitimately for once. They're they're playing for later. You're, you're talking about Truex. He's trying to win that second championship. He's had one and he's fallen short a couple of times. It, it's an R&D session for for them and it's true when you win if you win once it's one thing but if you win twice like you're just it's house money it's it's like going and gambling and and saying oh yeah well it doesn't matter if you lose that's what it is and when you consider toyota with all the technology they have and the r&d between california with trd and what they have at reverend gibbs facility there there's no way that those those vehicles are not going to be up there or at least a lot of them are not going to be up there when it counts uh it's just how it is uh speaking of a different manufacturer uh, clint boyer was the star of the early good first part of the race he won both stages um i mean Stuart haas of course won on sunday with kevin harvick eric almirola kevin harvick both finished in the top 10 the 41 struggled both days but then that's whatever clint boyer ended up winning both stages he had a really fast race car on wednesday and quite frankly could have won that race but once he got into traffic which is a product of the 550 rules package once you get into traffic it's very hard to get through and um i mean the the thing is what what do you think of what i mean the fact that boyer won both stages is not something he usually does i think that was the first time all year first time in a while that somebody had swept both stages too and what does it mean for boyer that he was he he won both stages but in the end and he didn't come through with a finish. What does it mean for Clint Boyer, and what does it mean in general? Well, for Boyer himself, I mean, it proves that if he has that opportunity to take the lead, um, the opportunity is there, and he he can take it. He has that ability, and if if he can make make the most out of that opportunity, he can get wins. But at the same time, you know, with he he has that advantage with uh, cleaner. But at the same time, at the end, we saw him lose a couple spots and uh, get back into traffic, and he struggled trying to pass Ryan Newman. Um, we uh, we all know that Ryan Newman does have a, a tendency to be a very tough driver to pass in, in the Cup Series, but you still should be able to pass him with not necessarily relative ease, but 
it shouldn't take like 10 laps to pass him um, with with the car that Boyer supposedly had it should have he should have been able to make quicker work so the point of that to say is that it seems like Clint Boyer seems to lose focus um, at critical moments and he focused too much on racing Newman at the end and trying to uh, get back up to the lead and he ended up losing his car and costing himself a good finish and it shows that you know, he only has 10 wins and he's not really the type of driver to go out and, and uh, consistently get uh, good finishes solidly. He's going to he's gonna get good finishes some of the time and then other times he's going to um, have so-so performances. Yeah, I mean, the, with, when you consider Boyer's, you know, recent history, he had the great 2012, his first year with MWR, gets second in points uh, behind Brad Keselowski after Johnson had his issues. 13 was okay. Then he kind of went away, and he, he, he went away for a long time. He had a good year in 18, won multiple races, and he hasn't been, re- he didn't do much in the, the playoff, the chase, and he hasn't done anything really since. When you consider what we're going to discuss here in a moment, in a few moments, about people that might be in line, uh, you know, the the certain people who do a hard R's and other people who are a little bit more intelligent than that, you have to wonder about Clint Boyer's future. I mean, the fact that he won both stages and out there and but i look at the 14 car and personal bias aside um the 14 car means a lot to me it means a lot to a lot of people it's tony's car it's a car that should be up front and when you consider that shr is able to put the four up front every week and has been doing that ever since kevin harvick's been in that car and Eric Almirola took the 10 car from from basically the bottom of the barrel with Miss Hummer and brought it to relevance. The 14 car should be up there. And when Tony was on and when he was at, in his peak still, they were a contender week to week and they could win races. The fact that they're not winning races, the fact that they're not a contender is an issue. And it's something to be said when you have the likes of Chase Briscoe or for really going to get crazy kyle larson minus all the stupidity that exists with kyle larson and ignorance when you got people like that out there and the the checks are coming out of tony's pocket and he's having a fun four race teams he's having a fun cup teams and xfinity program he's having a fun racetracks sprint car teams you have to really truly wonder what what they're about as jesse uji finally wrecks and with brennan pool we're doing this live uh during the truck race so i'm gonna go and add that in so you'll you'll get to know where we're at uh they all wrecked each other that's awesome uh stewball went and ran over oh stewball went and got into oh oh yeah there you go jesse uwuji was in the way of old stewball and uh he went and caused a multi-truck wreck um i don't know i kind of get pleasure out of that because i hate Stuart Friesen. um but the getting back to the point we're making clint boyer has to pick it up i mean granted he has a great fallback measure in terms of tv because it seems like fox loves him because he fits their demo and he's goofy and he's he gets high easily and it's it's fun and he probably is going to tv next year hopefully he goes to tv next year and they put somebody that can drive in the 14 car um that's personal bias coming out and i don't give a fuck it's our show um josh knows it we've known each other for a long time if there were takes that he had where he can go the same way i don't really care for clint boyer and he's a funny guy and whatever he has a big forehead and so does his son i i can't help it that's genetics that has nothing to do with me um in the end let him go and do tv him and jeffy can go and do tv and and no and people will go man jesse Woody's terrible but um it it is what it is with yeah that um let me just add this for clint boyer like he's a solid driver i mean there's nothing wrong with him really um he's just not elite that's all yeah and and when you're at the Cup Series, well, the problem is that when you're at the Cup Series, you got to be able to show that 
you have that ability and he's supposed to be on a ride with the top team and the fact is is that he's not performing as well as his peers and you know he's definitely got a future in TV like you said and he's also he's got that that podcast with uh, Portnoy and all those guys at Barstool um so yeah those are some fits, real champions of the world yeah, too yeah yeah he, he's got a he's got a great future with that cuz that um that's a solid stream of income too yeah. but you know he's he's just he's just not an elite driver that's all yeah and i mean there's nothing wrong with not being elite michael waltrip made a whole career out of being a sword swallower and only being able to drive at about three or three or four race tracks period um and that was his owner and he even said that michael waltrip's the worst race car driver that exists and then he ended up driving for him I mean, there, there, there's so many, it's funny how things work out in TV and now they're going to be partners again on TV soon enough, but it, it's not a case of Clint Boyer's a bad guy. I, I mean, his, his spotter's an asshole. He fits the whole barstool thing. I don't think Clint Boyer's an asshole. He's just not that great. Frankly, if you put him in a late dirt, late model and wasn't in a cup car, I wouldn't mind Clint Boyer. It's the fact that he's having, he's taking Tony's money and Tony's sponsorship because those, most of those sponsors on there are Tony's sponsors and driving around and hitting the wall every week and kind of just wasting the spot. And that's fundamentally a thing for me because as much as Tony was wasting a spot for basically the last four years of his career with all the crap that he went through, Tony Stewart is Tony Stewart. You know, there's, he's, he's freaking Hall of Famer and he's going to be in other Hall of Fames. Clint Boyer's going to be in the Hall of Fame for partying. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame for great people, but it isn't going to be the Hall of Fame for racing. Uh, so that's, that is what it is with, with Clint Boyer. Um, we've, we've glazed over the most important piece, the most important part that, uh, took place in the event itself, which is the fact that Denny Hamlin won the race and Kyle Busch finished second. But the reason that that happened in part with the rain, of course, coming was because Chase Elliott was making a run to get to Hamlin and win when Denny Hamlin, of course, was on old tires because he'd run out of tires. And Kyle Busch put him in the fence. And uh, of course, old Clyde went and went off the script and flipped them, flipped old Kyle Busch off. So you gotta. So the question is, I mean, what did you think, Josh, about how what happened? How it happened? Was it intentional? And uh, what do we say? What do we see from old Clyde as this season goes on? in terms of how he races Kyle Busch. Well, I mean, for for him, it's uh, another situation where uh, he lost an opportunity to win the race, whether it was his own fault or someone else took it away from him. Uh, and uh, for him, you know, for him to go through that, you know, it's, it's a lot of a lot of wins left off the table for, for him. But going forward, I mean, I don't think, I, I think uh, when the opportunity is there, he, he's probably not going to cut uh, Kyle Busch some slack, especially late in the season when the championship will be on the line. Uh, for Kyle Busch, uh, I don't think, I don't think it was uh, really intentional. It seems like, I mean, he admitted it wasn't intentional and that it was a blind mistake by him, uh, which it seems uncharacteristic to admit that and also for that to really happen. But, um, you know, it, it doesn't really mean much to him. You know, it, it happened and, he, you know, he doesn't care that it happened. And I think that's kind of what I, what we saw out of his reaction when they uh, asked him about it or when the media asked him about it on Sunday or, or, on, or on Wednesday, I'm sorry. And going forward, um, we'll we'll see him just be a, a decent a decent driver or a decent season going forward for him. Uh, but for Chase Elliott, uh, you know, like we like I said, he might he might see a, him go not cut him some slack going forward. But it'll be similar to what happened to him in 2017 when he got wrecked at Martinsville uh, with uh, Denny Hamlin in the chase, and he went up to him right afterwards and said, "You wrecked me, you wrecked me." And then uh, we saw him at Phoenix kind of just touch touch uh, fenders a little bit and then uh denny hamlin had a flat and went in the wall um so it might be something similar to that um if anything if we see any response out of chase elliott with kyle bush yeah i mean with with kyle bush he has a history of running over people and it goes all the way back to hall of famer ron hornaday jr it, uh, it it's 
you know, the Dillons, you know, Kevin Harvick, insert driver, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Carl Edwards, for all those people that remember Roid Rage, they all have run over their fair share of people as Kyle Busch is is the lead with 50 laps, 49 laps to go on the truck race. At the end of the day, the move he made was a bad move. It's a move that somebody of his, his caliber shouldn't make, but it's a move that isn't unexpected because of who he is and what he's about. And fundamentally, he he had to own it because Matt Yoakum held him to that standard. Matt Yoakum didn't let him off the hook. Most of the lame streamer, oh, there goes, there goes Natalie Decker, shocker. When you go and consider Kyle Busch's history and his brother, they've had, they've ran over a lot of people. They've gotten in a lot of issues. Kurt has taken the brunt of a lot of the pain, but Kyle has never really paid for it because he's been protected by Reverend. Gibbs, he's been protected by Hendrick, etc., etc. And fundamentally, getting called out for the BS that he did. Oh wow, that works out. That they were both in, they were both in their one pit next to each other. That's con- but he. <laughs> Oh man, Brennan Poole sucks. It's so is Nellie Ducker in more ways than one. Well, hey, I'd let her do it to me too, but whatever. She's good at that sort of thing. But um, oh, so Akis got into her. Oh well, that's fine. Uh, I thought I thought Brennan Poole wrecked her, but Akis went and got into her nose, and then uh, Poole went and shot a load up her butt. So anyway, speaking of guys that are loads, Kyle Busch is somebody who the way he acts and the way he behaves. There's a reason why plenty of people hate him and plenty of people like him. I saw this on the one page I'm on and talked about him being like the intimidator because people let him off the hook, which is true because he's the chosen driver for the chosen brand the same way as it was when Earnhardt was at his peak and it took a turtle lip little fruitcake coming in to go and throw him off his throw him off his uh, pedestal and, and that was the end of Earnhardt in a lot of ways and we're still waiting on something to happen to Kyle Busch where he either gets his ass kicked or gets humbled. You would think going and missing races and breaking a leg and all that and not being able to make your wife pregnant and all these other things would would make you humble but Kyle Busch is still an asshole so you know it is what it is. We'll see what Chase does. I think he's going to save it to the playoff. I, there's no way that he's going to do anything crazy until we get to the chase. Once we get to the chase, then I think all 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 uh, bets are off. But until then, we'll see what happens. Um, I think we can go from there. The racing itself, I don't know what, what you thought in general of the two races, Josh, at, at Darlington. Was there really any difference or did it seem similar to you? And thoughts on the package relative to track? Uh, Sunday, the Sunday race was, I to me, it was slightly better, but that's only because there was just uh, slightly a little bit more uh, passing for the lead up front, um, but it wasn't like that much better. Marginally, probably would would fit that best. Uh, but it was they were very similar, very very similar uh, races on on at Darlington that we saw. Um, just the differences I mean, uh, is that the the nighttime condition just kind of exasperates. I guess you could say the um, flaws and the problems with the packages for with the package for um, the 550 rules that horsepower rules that we have with high downforce and really like we talked about Clint Boyer winning those two stages well really those stage wins were probably more of a factor uh, that there's more of a um, more really just because of the fact that he was out front and he had that clean air advantage and to me it just seemed like with with uh, the advantage of clean air he was able just to go out and lead and you know he didn't really have uh, because of that he didn't really have to worry about too much of a challenge and we saw that throughout the night on on Wednesday. Just uh, there wasn't enough there wasn't enough of a long green, uh, green flag run to see a challenge uh, where you know the tires wore out and we could see the second place car catch back up. And there wasn't really that much of an opportunity for uh, the second place car to really go up and drive up and at least you know get to his bumper after about five laps on the restart. And it just shows that uh, how poor the package really is. And you know it was, you could still see kind of the vintage Darlington throughout
about all of that because you know they still have to drive the track and and all of that but it is still really a overall is really just a mixed bag and it shows that the high downforce and low horsepower package that we have um, just doesn't work and what we need to see is low downforce uh, high horsepower and I would argue more drag but not downforce drag just like you know like the difference between a a, a square end and a, a rounded end the square end is going to produce more drag and more wind resistance than the uh, a round shape so that's what I think yeah there the point is having a big ass spoiler uh, at most racetracks doesn't do anything having low horsepower doesn't do anything having the the point is the car should be hard to drive you shouldn't be able to drive them wide open anywhere um, outside of a theoretical restrictor plate whatever track um, and the the fact that you're able to basically go wide open at Darlington to me is disturbing and when we get into the 600 that's another issue but get rid of the spoiler I mean we've had this conversation Josh I mean get rid of the, the spoiler have a little one inch spoiler get the things off the ground so that they're off the ground on a green flag they've they've spent so much money on coil binding to where there's no suspension in the front there's no literally there is no suspension on the front what is the point of no vehicle that exists in the world has no suspension in the front even formula one and open wheel and sports cars have suspension Ian, but they're they're sealed off to the ground but they they have suspension they get they get affected the fact is these things are sealed off to the ground to the point where you get nowhere it's an issue with all kinds of arrow and all that and that's why we have what we have it's become this engineering science of the point where vehicles are sealed off they're not stock i mean it, it, I, it there's a combination of everything the way the arrow is the end the rules package with the engines the fact that badger can't make a good tire and they haven't made a good tire for decades it's something that we'll have to go through i guess more in detail uh as we go along uh we'll go into the xfinity toyota 200 where uh it was an emotional victory for chase briscoe a uh, big win for him and his wife, uh, Marissa, and in general for what they've been going through. And he he beat Kyle Busch. And you talk about, you know, somebody who's won eight trillion races for somebody like him to somebody like Chase Briscoe, who's a young gun to be able to beat a guy who has won ev- virtually everything. It says a lot about him and it says a lot about the race. There was a much better race in general than the cup races were. Uh, what were your thoughts, uh, Josh, on what we saw on Thursday afternoon instead of Tuesday night because it got rained out? Well, I think it was, I agree with you. It was just a more solid race overall. And the fact that that uh, two drivers up in the lead and second place are able to stay close to each other and at least be able to attempt to pass and and, and potentially or almost get around him uh, well deep into a, a run speaks that to the fact that the uh, Xfinity Series uh, formula is superior to the Cup Series formula in my opinion and I th- I think um, for Chase Elliott or excuse me for uh, Chase Briscoe to uh, go head to head with Kyle Busch it shows that he has a lot of resolve and that he has a lot of strength with the fact that he had uh, his personal loss with his miscarriage with his wife. And he has a lot of um, a fight to not wither down to Kyle Busch, but instead fight back and win the race. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to you have to think about the the pain and, and anguish that he went through being at the racetrack on Tuesday night and finding out that they were they were they were expecting their first child chase and marissa there was gonna be a daughter and finds out on tuesday night that she had a miscarriage and he's having to sit at the racetrack and he can't be with the most most uh, important person to him the the love of his life and then he has to go back and they sat there for you know a day and had to go through all that and they the fact that they opened up and let the world know about what they went through and how much how devastating it was it's 
it's something you don't see from everybody and especially in big sports of course having somebody of his ilk you know going in and showing that vulnerability uh is something to be said and it's definitely you know to to talk about to let everybody know that they went through what they went through and then go and do what he did. It, it, it truly shows what Chase Briscoe is as a driver and, you know, door banging each other. You're door banging a guy's 196 races in the Xfinity series and is considered one of the greatest because the media loves him so much. And to go and beat him at a track like Darlington, there's just something to be said about the viability not only about chase briscoe for the for this season and possibilities considering he said he's on he's up against it the 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 team wasn't gonna run until you know early january late december whatever it was he said he had to win eight races and win a championship to keep a career going and we were talking about Clint Boyer there earlier. The fact you beat Kyle Busch, it means something. I mean, I'm waiting for Kyle Busch to win 100 Xfinity races so he stops running Xfinity, but for me as a Chase Briscoe mark, him beating Kyle Busch, it means a lot, and it's going to mean a lot later on in this season when we get to uh, the playoff and where they're at, and hopefully he goes and makes something happen. Um, Other than that, we'll go and uh, let me just see here. Uh, let me just go through the results quickly before we transition into the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, the results of the Toyota 200, basically everybody that was up front stayed up front, all the contenders for the exception of uh, Michael Annette, who spun and uh, ended up 25th. Briscoe, Bush, Justin Allgaier, third, Austin Sindrick, fourth, Noah Gregson, fifth. Basically, Briscoe, Bush, Gregson led all the laps. Hemrick, sixth, Sieg, seventh, Ross Chastain, eighth, Harrison Burton, ninth, and Justin Haley, tenth. Jeremy Clemens got a stage point in the second stage. Brandon Brown led a lap. But otherwise, it was a pretty straightforward race there. Uh, We'll transition into the Coca-Cola 600, the 61st annual Coca-Cola 600, the longest race in the history of NASCAR. And uh, Brad Keselowski comes through winning another major, uh, but he definitely wasn't the best car at uh, Charlotte on Sunday evening. Uh, there was a over-at-one-hour rain delay. There was uh, certain guys that dominated early in the race, specifically Kurt Busch. And then Alex Bowman, who led the most laps, 164 laps. He led and won both stages. Uh, And then after that, you consider Martin Truex. Those are the three cars that were really up front most of the day. But Brad Keselowski comes through with a victory. Chase Elliott finishes second. We'll get into more details as to how that all kind of worked out. What were your thoughts, Josh, on uh, Sunday's Coca-Cola 600? Well, I think they got to change the name from the Coca-Cola 600 and not even call it the World 600, just call it the Clean Air 600 because that's what it was the whole night Yeah, uh, for the most part. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it, it was a, I mean... Once we got past the rain delay and we got into the resume the race, like we saw, I guess, yeah, we saw Kurt Busch kind of uh, lead for like that first stage. But then Alex Bowman, he was, um, I think he was kind of getting up there into the top 10, top five. And then he went went into the lead after uh, the first stage or before the first stage and, and uh, just kind of got in the lead based off of pit stops. And then it was basically for uh, from then on out until the third stage when he got behind with pit stops, it was um, the Alex Bowen show. And I thought he was, I actually thought he was going to win the race based on how everything was playing out because there wasn't the, a whole lot of action with cautions uh, for most of the race and for really like, I guess like that first half of, uh, first two-thirds of the race there wasn't really a lot of action there and i thought he i thought he was going to win the race so uh for him 
for him to go out and, and dominate, um, but then get back in the pack and not really um, come back. Um, again, it shows that clean air is very, very uh, important, and you, you need it. Like, if you want to try to lead the most laps, uh, get out in clean air, and you're probably guaranteed to, to do that. Uh, but and he, he's still still a solid contender, I'd say, just because we've already seen him go out and uh, win in dominating fashion. He was uh, he was good last week uh, in both Darlington races and, and all that. So I don't like in contrast to what we said with Boyer uh, earlier in his deal with Clear, I don't think it's the same thing for Bowman. I, I think he's just uh, a little bit better of a driver and uh, is more focused. But anyways, um, yeah, then we then we saw Martin Truex uh, lead for uh, a good portion of the last half of the race, and then we saw uh, really like the only time that I saw a uh, green flag pass was Chase Elliott going up and taking the lead from uh, Brad Keselowski. And really, that was the only fight that we saw um, yeah. that was uh, of like actual substance uh, up until the end. Yeah, I mean that the the 600 in general is never. I mean, over all these years that I've been watching or. Um, showing my age here you know you talk about 28 years watching the 600 it's never been known to be the most interesting race but when you're in a position where you're literally competing against golf uh, a, a head-to-head golf match and that's literally all you're competing against and the product you put out there is so bad that it's unwatchable um, outside of the LCD there's a real question as to what the heck they're putting out there as uh, Matt Crafton fell out of the race something happens drop the defending series champion without even winning and uh todd gilliland hit the wall really hard and uh i mean it's something to be said about clean air i mean there's you talk about how charlotte motor speedway and marcus smith and all of them they had to make the roval there's a reason why they made the roval because they ruined the oval way back when and between them and nascar they can't come up with a rules package that makes charlotte motor speedway a decent racetrack so they had to make a stupid street course to make it seem like they can have racing at Charlotte. And even that's goofy. So it, it's it's crazy to, to think about how bad Charlotte has become. I, I, I never remember Charlotte to be so bad, but when you kind of go and deep dive into it, it's not a great racetrack. And a lot of these cookie cutters are not great racetracks. And the point of this 550 rules package was to make cookie cutters better. And quite frankly, Frankly, that's not the case. It's it's a joke. Um, I mean, Joey Logano had old tires. He won the last stage on old tires because he got a good restart. Brad Keselowski was on old tires. He was able to make three great restarts, two of them on old tires. I mean, it's... You, you have to consider multiple facets here and the fact that the fact that this the, that you're able to once you get out front it has nothing to do with any you don't even have to show up it, you really have to R&D what's going on honestly but NASCAR doesn't care and and that's part of the problem uh, the Brad Keselowski wins the Coca-Cola 600 he only is missing the Daytona 500 from uh, his major hall he has four of the five because he holds he puts bristol in i always think about the winston million he's won now three of the four winston million races add the bristol night race he's missing the daytona 500 whether he does it for penske or not to be determined chase elliott finishes second uh because the guy who actually finished second was jimmy johnson getting that in second ryan blaney third kyle bush fourth kevin harvick fifth maintaining his points lead martin truex sixth kurt bush from the pole seventh tyler who started on pole qualified on pole. the only qualifying that we're gonna have for the next month basically um tyler reddick eighth christopher bell ninth gets his best career finish again and chris busher gets a 10th place finish for uh Fenway Racing. So you get into uh, Chase Elliott. He ends up finishing second on Sunday night, going into early Monday morning. He had the race won. Uh, two laps to go. He was coming to the checkered flag. This thing was over. He was going to win the Coca-Cola 600. Um, Hendrick Carr was still going to hold over, considering Alex Bowman dominated. 
But William Byron cuts a tire, spins out, and everything changes from there. What were your thoughts on what Chase Elliott did in the end with Alan Gustafson and how it all ended up relative to what they're kind of what it kind of fits an M.O. with Alan Gustafson. But I'll I'll add on to that. But what were your thoughts on what uh, Chase did there at the end and how it ended up for him? Well, it was a bad decision, I think, because they shouldn't have been given how the race was the whole night and how advantageous it was to be with clean air with in your pocket um it was the wrong decision uh but their reasoning was that uh for them staying like i guess earlier in the race staying out uh didn't work and and they weren't successful and i i we saw part of that because they did drop back kind of towards mid-pack um and i guess that's when that happened but Something that I saw on on Twitter. Um, I don't know if you know who um, Andrew Maness is, but he uh, he's part of this uh, group called uh, PitRow.ai, I think is what it's called, and they're basically like the the service for um, AI and analytics for uh, race teams, and they they provide a lot of the information and graphics that you've seen on ESPN IndyCar's coverage, and I don't know if they provide it for NBC or Fox, but um, they provide it to the the coverage, and they also provide a a lot of the analytics uh, and support for the teams, and and I, I know Childress has one. And what was interesting was that he said, or this Mines guy, what he said was um, he said something like, "I I, I don't have the tweet because he deleted it." He said like, uh, "It's great to see the, um, our clients uh, fail to trust our our software um, once again and and do do the wrong thing." And and basically, I think he was saying, "Well, is that their software was saying to stay out and not." pit and the guys went went with uh, their gut feeling rather than the analytical decision and decided to uh, pit when the, um, based on what they felt and you know he, he deleted that tweet obviously because for you know whatever reason he did reason that but, maybe, yeah. yeah yeah whatever reason you know I mean probably because he didn't doesn't want to be that critical but whatever um, but the point is is um, um, that's another factor um, in their decision making and they they failed to trust uh, is basically they 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 failed to trust their their own tools that they had at their hand they went they went with uh their gut decision and that's i guess i'm going on a tangent here the um analytics versus your gut feeling but (laughs) you know that's that's another factor in why they gave up the win and i mean it almost worked out they almost like you know like i guess if this was 10 years ago when tires actually mattered and you actually drive the damn thing around the car and you know pass people maybe we'd have seen chase elliott win the coke 600 but with all the factors involved um he came up short and he shouldn't fit it yeah i mean i give you credit it's the first ran from josh he didn't and and i'll i'll, I'll also say you barely uh, raised your voice so uh, i i give you extra credit on that the fact that you basically stayed on on key for yourself and you were mad because the fact that they ignored analytics and all that and it's it's something to be said about alan gustafson he's been doing this since he started as a crew chief in 05 with kyle bush so he's always done this he did it with jeff gordon he's done it with chase i don't know how many times this is on brand for him he's done this over time i the discussion happened on the one facebook page we're on about talking about uh, I think I was talking about it with how Ryan Blaney with Todd Gordon went and they lost Las Vegas the same way. Todd Gordon's been guilty of doing this too. You're, I mean, the point is crew chiefs are, it's the same way as being a head coach. It's a way where when you're right, people are going to give you credit, but they won't launch. They won't give you as much credit as you probably deserve. But when you F up, they're going to go and nail you. But when you have as much evidence as against you in a in a period of six, 15, 16 years as Gustafson has, I'm starting to pronounce his name like Larry McReynolds. It's bad. The It's something to be said that you have to wonder about how viable that guy is as a crew chief. And I 
I've always been a Chase guy. I've been a guy that says put Greg Ives with Chase because the one year where Chase was like crazy good, elite, was his first year in Xfinity with Greg Ives. And then Hendrick was like, oh, we need to make Earnhardt stay relevant. So we moved Greg Ives to the 88 because Retard went and went to TV because he knows he wasn't that good. So he's like, oh, I'm going to take the TV money. You know, and Ives finally, I think, after all these years, him and Bowman finally have figured it out together and they have something going. But I think Chase and Ives would be better together. And then you could put Gustafson with Bowman or whoever. I think you could put Gustafson with you're going to get certain things. You win a few races. You're not going to win a championship. You're just going to get a sort of blah. You're going to get a top 10 points finish. You're not going to win them. You're going to have you're not going to have what Jimmy and Chad had. Chad's not as good without Jimmy and Jimmy's not as good without Chad. We're realizing that as well. We can go and transition into that because there was a couple of penalties that came from the Coke 600. Jimmy finished second in the Coke 600 on the track but failed post-race inspection because of a failure of there was a mechanical failure something part failure on the rear end which was something with the toe which disqualified his car which sent him all the way to tailback as rusty would say and the more egregious penalty i think than the jimmy johnson penalty was denny hamlin as we talked about earlier winning his second race of the year uh dropping two massive uh, pieces of tungsten on the racetrack, which uh, destroyed the car of Joy Gase and I think one other car uh, pre-race. And um, all that happened was there was a four-race suspension for the crew chief, car chief, and one other person. The actual car chief, which is Eric Phillips, former truck crew chief for Kyle Busch Motorsports, uh, he wasn't conveniently on the roster as the car chief uh this week or during these last three race these last three races but you know he was missing he'll be back on the box as a car chief uh starting tomorrow at uh at charlotte motor speedway in the alsco 500k um i guess the way we'll go and angle this josh is what were your thoughts on what happened with Hamlin and how everything went around with that. And then also you can expand out onto Jimmy Johnson and what he did and how he ended up failing uh, inspection, which is kind of par for the course for him. Well, I mean, I picked Denny Hamlin to win the race. So I was a little bit disappointed and I, I kind of picked him because he, he went on a uh, part of my take and said he uh, guaranteed that he'd win. And he didn't even have a chance to prove his guarantee because this uh, tungsten falling out of of his car but to me i think they should suspend the person responsible for or the, the person's responsible for uh not securing the tungsten and it, it says it says a lot about you know like um not suspending the right personnel when when um things like this happen because the it's i guess it does seem convenient but i'm kind of um I don't know, kind of struggling to um, see, like, who's the right person to uh, suspend. I think you definitely got to suspend the crew chief for sure. Um, and probably um, the engineer and a couple of other persons, because they're probably the ones that are um, responsible for that in, in the end. But I don't, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's it's almost like they're, you can almost say that um, they're not going to miss a beat because uh, we, we see with, uh, their other guy, Eric Phillips, coming in, you know, he's, he's not going to be the same as Hamlin's regular crew chief, but at the same time, you know, he can have the other, he can have the crew chief just feed him the notes and then just call the race, you know, without, you know, basically using the cliff notes without, you know, really um, needing to come up with uh, anything new or, or develop anything new. So, I, I don't know. I mean, for it, it was a, a weird incident, though, I would say, because you never really see uh, the ballast from your car uh, just drop like that. And that means there's an egregious mistake on the cruise end. And uh, for, for Jimmy, I mean, it's I guess it is par for the course because we've seen through history uh, the 48 car fail inspection or a hinder car fail inspection. And that one, to me, just seems more of a, yeah, it, it's a failure, but it's not as egregious as letting the, the tungsten and not get secured uh, but yeah you know, it, it's a 
it's a, a tough deal, um, but it's good that NASCAR is actually disqualifying people instead of just handing them a slap on the wrist. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about all the you know things with Denny Hamlin and what he did, and also with Jimmy Johnson. Uh, you, you have to look at Jimmy Johnson's history and the amount of failed inspections that went on with him over the years with Chad Canals, and you also have to look at what Gibbs is doing and. When you have two wins, you kind of can go and do whatever you want. It doesn't matter anymore uh, in terms of the playoff. You're going to be in no matter how much you do. Uh, what you talked about, Josh, in terms of finding them and, uh, you know, in terms of finding them a lot of money, also going and taking away playoff points, I think that would have been something that could have uh, deterred what occurred at uh, Charlotte during the 600. It doesn't bring a very nice uh, look to the sport when you consider that you're just running around and you're letting weight drop off the race vehicle and it goes through i mean albeit it's rick Ware racing joey gaze who cares but you know it goes through somebody's race car i forget i think one other race car um it went through and so it affected multiple people and in that point that's a problem and it, there's something to be said about it being a, a real issue that you can go and do something like that and it, it can affect so many people it goes back to other incidents where tungsten fell out and uh like i'm i'm friends with people that work at carl long's team and carl long hit tungsten and busted his shoulder you know there's somebody posted jamie dick going and taking tungsten through the windshield and hitting the wall hard and having issues there i mean there's something that when something like that happens you really have to question what they're doing and why they're doing it and i also have to question how eric phillips wasn't on the list and conveniently available to kind of slide in starting tomorrow at charlotte as though oh you know he wasn't a part of what happened but oh he's gonna be available now even though he was it it i mean it doesn't it's not surprising to me the way that uh that joe gibbs racing toyota does things also doesn't surprise me the way nascar does things but um it it is what it is with that i mean johnson having the issues that he uh, to not pass inspection with the busting the the you know, you talk about the rear, the rear end, and and the the having the skew and all that. That's probably why it happened. But hey, you know, Jimmy Johnson hasn't won in a while. You know, he, he's trying to do whatever he can to win. The Hendrick cars are fast, so it's not like he couldn't compete. But, you know, I guess it's worth going and doing something to try to see what can happen. I think it would have been a lot worse that he wins number 84 and he goes and gets disqualified. It's similar to what uh, Richard Petty went through when he won number 198 at Charlotte in October of 83. And they got they had the big motor and... They find him and did a whole lot of things, which ended up seeing Maurice and Richard not working together, at least for a couple of years. So there is that. Uh, we'll move over as uh, Chase Elliott beats Kyle Busch for the North Carolina Education Lottery 200. So that's mercy. He gets the bounty. He gets that $100,000 bounty from both. Uh, for charity for both uh, uh, Kevin Harvick and Marcus Limonis, who sponsors this uh, truck series. So old Clyde uh, wearing the Hooters uniform, no less, with the eye racing since uh, um, freaking uh, Larson ain't around and Ty Majeski. I don't know why Ty, they wouldn't sponsor Ty Majeski because he's been a eye racing mark, but whatever. Uh, he goes and beats Kyle Busch. Um, it's great for the world, at least for this week, before it gets back to reality and he goes and wins again. Um 
we'll go into the uh, ALSCO 300, which saw Kyle Busch win, and uh, he won his 97th career Xfinity race uh, last night, but he had to battle, actually. It wasn't like the usual, typical Kyle Busch uh, you know, he takes the lead and it's over that early in the day. You had Ross Chastain, noted uh, hard charger, noted guy who's hard to pass, as we discussed earlier in the show. Uh, rode him hard the whole entire couple, first couple of stages. And uh, Kyle Busch had to earn that victory. And in the end, um, in terms of the 97 wins, I think that was one of the harder wins for him to get. And uh, he did lead the most laps, but it wasn't by because of lack of trying. Ross Chastain battled him. You had you had Chase Briscoe was up there. He had to work for that. Uh, what were your thoughts, Josh, on the uh, Xfinity race uh, last night? Well, I think uh, early on it was just a battle between Kyle Busch and Ross Chastain I thought Chastain was able um, as much as he could he was able to uh, fight uh, and challenge Kyle Busch uh, in the early going and then it you know kind of uh, became the Kyle Busch show throughout the middle per- portion and then later on like he wasn't in the lead and then Austin Sturdick was in the lead and then it was just a matter of time before Kyle Busch was able to go up there and pass him and it was interesting the last like it seemed like the last 40 or so laps there was just a lot of crashing and it seemed like like they would race for a lap and then crash or or race for a couple more laps and then crash and then just seemed like it was a repeating thing up until the uh, very end of the race and I think that actually helped Austin Sindrick because he's able to uh, use the restarts to uh, oh wow Kyle or Chase just did the uh, cryo yeah, yeah. wow that's that's yeah. uh that's good content right there yeah yeah <laughs> he knows what he's doing but no anyways um Sindrick is able to um, hold the lead for a little bit longer than maybe what we would have expected because with how Kyle Busch is um, uh, he's probably going to be able to uh, that Austin Sindrick has no talent but okay yeah <laughs> yeah no he, yeah, he doesn't really have a, a ton of uh, oval racing talent I would say he's got you know some road racing I think he's more of a yes. natural road racer but Absolutely. you know anyways he was able to keep uh, keep the lead for a little bit just to uh, uh, use uh, take advantage of those short runs and uh, eventually I mean he did end up losing to Kyle Bush and some people said oh Kyle Bush took him to school and all that which is fine it was still a, a decent run I think maybe on the last lap uh, he could have maybe did a little bit more of a side draft with uh, with Kyle Bush and and try to uh, steal steal some of that air off his quarter panel in the uh, last half of the back straight and through uh, turns three and four maybe they would have been side by side for uh, coming to the line um, but it was uh, still a good showing for Cindric overall uh, even though he actually didn't lose a one spot or two spots, uh, however you want to look at it, on the last lap and finishing third. Uh, but it, I think it was, other than the crashing, uh, I thought it was a, a decent uh, Charlotte Xfinity race overall. Yeah, that's, I mean, you brought up a good point in terms of the crashing. I, we, we could talk about Sindrick, and I mean, he's kind he's kind of knows he's going to have a good ride for the rest of his life because his dad runs Penske Racing, and it's it's different than daddy's money it's the nepotism and all that kind of works in his favor uh, we'll just go over the results here kyle bush first daniel hemrick second still trying to chase that first uh xfinity win daniel hemrick uh, expecting with uh his wife uh, kenzie they're expecting their first child uh austin Sindrick third ross jastain started on pole led a lot of laps finished fourth jesson allgaier fifth he had radio problems and other issues gauge problems he finished fifth brett moffitt gets a career best sixth place finish considering the fact that uh he injured uh both of his legs in a, in a motocross accident and uh in his uh return he's done pretty well now you gotta wonder why the hell doesn't brett moffitt have a better have a ride in a big ru- in, a, in the cup series I, that's something you can ask for a long time but uh he finished sixth michael Lynette seventh brandon brown eighth Harry 
Harrison Burton ninth, Myatt Snyder tenth. Now we talk about the wrecking. You you mentioned that, and the biggest wreck involved uh, noted daddy's money and probably drug user uh, Noah Gregson, who uh, had uh, top five finishes in both stages, but in the third stage he got loose and uh, was involved in wrecking a couple of cars, uh, the cars of Justin Haley, who uh, had, who was, who got knocked out for briefly, I think, and Tommy Joe Martins, uh, who I have a friend who works on the Tommy Joe Martins team. Uh, they destroyed a really good race car there, and they don't have a lot of uh, equipment. Uh, the 11 team has a lot more equipment, but still, both of those guys were in a position where they could have won and or had a chance to get a top five or a top ten finish, and neither of them got anything out of it because of that wreck. So, I mean, it was that, and you can, uh, Timmy Hill, uh, uh, boot scoop boogie, great eye racer, went and said that he uh, had a small package on the uh, door bumper clear podcast uh, blew an engine so bad uh, that it oiled the racetrack down which affected Ross Chastain and also Chase Briscoe who is the points leader in Xfinity and it cost him a chance at possibly winning this race uh, after a decent first two stages both of them got in the oil both hit the wall Briscoe was more affected than uh, Chastain in the end Chastain was able to make it up uh, what were you, in the end like when you consider some of the wrecks and some of the crap that happened uh, late in the in the race it was was it more a, a, a case of over aggressiveness or would you say inexperience or was it a, a matter of you have to consider what the heck was going on or some of the drivers that are involved what were your thoughts on some of the things that happened at the end of the day I think it was really just a factor of all those uh, that you just said because we have inexperienced drivers uh, for the most part in the Xfinity series and there's no over aggressive guys like uh, Noah Gregson and etc and there's a lot of other drivers uh, who just aren't that great um, period at being a, a stock car driver and I think all of that kind of contributed to the uh, crash fest that we saw within the last 40 laps of that race yeah it's it's something to be said that it is an it is the trip AAA, uh, when if you want to think about it in terms of baseball or other other forms of other sports, because NASCAR thinks they're in that level. Uh, it's a triple A level, and you see people do certain things that would be akin to being someone that doesn't know what they're really doing and they need to get humbled and I could do my iron cheek impression but I'll pass. Though I do think that that uh, that uh, Noah Gregson needs to be humbled and uh, and whatever that uh, the iron cheek would do to people or Brian Blair he should also do to Noah Gregson because Noah Gregson does suck. Um, I think we could go and do a little quick hit before we uh, get off because truck race is over uh chase elliott ends up going and beating kyle bush gets the bounty uh tonight in uh the north carolina education lottery 200 uh he goes and wins and he beats kyle bush for the bounty hundred thousand dollars to the charity of his choosing so immediate initial thoughts on uh, uh, Chase Elliott coming through and getting the bounty. Well, I'm surprised the Kyle Busch show didn't come to town. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, he did lead a lot throughout the race. And surprisingly, I, I mean, I, again, like you just assume whenever Kyle Busch is in, in a race in the Xfinity series or in the truck series that he's going to go out and drive up like a hot knife through butter through the field and just grab the lead and stay there. And I mean, I I was watching the last uh, 20 laps and it, you know Chase Elliott was in the lead and 
and there was a part where like Kyle Busch kind of got close enough. He was within like three tenths uh, in the middle of turn three and four with about maybe six or seven laps to go. But then uh, he lost time to uh, Chase Elliott, and Chase Elliott was able to kind of pull away and and win the race. But uh, I th- I think uh, it was a it was a decent race. Saw some action throughout with uh, Natalie Decker and all those back markers crashing and all that. Uh, but you know overall it was a, another. I mean is it I think personally so the Cup Series, the Truck Series, and the Xfinity Series at at Charlotte. I think the the best racing you're going to see is probably going to come from the Truck Series for the most part. I think and then maybe the Xfinity Series and and then the Cup Series. Uh, and I I think it was probably you know is another typical uh, Charlotte Truck race. Yeah, I mean, when when you talk about the truck package, which is what Cup and all the idiots that run the Cup Series, and they're basically wishing they could have the drafting and all the stuff that comes from the trucks. But the difference is you have a huge greenhouse on a truck, even though they've made it into a car. Uh, they want drafting in certain racetracks. It works better than others but when you get clean air as we've talked about um that's what what ends up happening it's that's the what you end up with where you go and have you you end up having having a bunch of kind of nonsense going on and you have the the likes uh the likes that uh chase chase elliott goes and does a kyle bush bow and it's trending on social media you know it's great i i it's it's good for the world uh kyle bush needs to get humbled and uh he kind of needs to be shown that he isn't the greatest thing that's ever lived and there there's something to be said about him uh, losing a race once in a while he doesn't lose a whole lot so the fact that he lost uh is uh is a beautiful thing and uh quite frankly i don't i don't feel bad about it because he 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 owns a truck and and he should be there unlike xfinity he has a vested interest in whether he wins or doesn't win uh but the fact of the matter is he went and got beat and he got beat by a guy that he decided to go and put in a fence so god bless him it's uh there's there's something to be said about i old clyde he went and he went and brought the shade out when it counted and uh got the hundred thousand from kevin harvick and uh marcus limonis who sponsors the series with uh gander outdoors so um with that we will uh, go and end this uh, Grip Strip podcast. Uh, it was a good show. Had uh, some technical difficulties in part because of me and uh, other stuff. But in the end, we're here. We got it done. Uh, Josh, you have anything going out? Um, just hopefully we have a good race tomorrow. May- hopefully it's better than what we saw on Sunday. Uh, I kind of doubt it, but you never know. There Maybe we'll have more crashing or something to at least uh, give those short runs uh, that we might potentially see. And who knows? I'm not going to pick a winner, but um, hopefully it, uh, we like the winner. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't really know. I think um, in terms of betting, betting, I, I put money on Joey Logano because he was at 11 to 1. So at least it was worth a decent return. Uh, I forget who else. I, I, I put Reddick. I put money on on. Logano and Reddick. That's who I put money on. So, I mean, obvious base minus our personal favorites, which neither of them are like my personal favorites. I'm a fan of Reddick. Um, but as long as it's not a Joe Gibbs guy, uh, I think we're okay. And, um, I think the shorter runs will mean a little more aggressive racing, which might mean more cautions, which would mean it would be similar to what we saw the last two nights. And it also, because PJ1 was activated, I don't know what the weather is between now and tomorrow night. As long as the PJ1 is activated, we could have 
multiple grooves, which might actually help the race, but I doubt it. I guess we will find out. But we will uh, see you next week on the Grip Strip podcast. We'll be uh, talking about everything that went on at Charlotte here uh, Wednesday night along with Bristol. And we'll be doing an IndyCar uh, series preview because IndyCar will be starting. Texas Motor Speedway is the first race of the IndyCar season. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to acquire uh, a guest of some sort. And uh, we'll be able to discuss that in a deep dive along with the uh, NASCAR events and any other racing that goes on here. Um, For Josh, I'm Phil. Thank you for listening to the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, Give us a like on Podbean and uh, like us on social media on our personal pages. And uh, we will see you next week. Take care.